Okay, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Future Ear Radio Podcast. I'm back in the swing of things here today with Blake Cadwell. So, Blake, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Dave. Uh, it's great to be here. I One of the first things I did when I started to, you know, I'll share more of my story, but one of the first things I did when I started to learn about the hearing health space was listen to this podcast. So it's great to be on, great to be talking with you. Um, I love that you've been doing this so consistently for 100, 100 plus. Awesome. Um, so my name is Blake, as you said, um, I my entry into the hearing health space is personal. Um, my mom got hearing aids when I was in junior high. Um, and at that time discovered that we have in our family, a hereditary hearing loss. So I became aware at that point, I, I hadn't been diagnosed to, to that point, but I became aware at that point that I had a hearing loss as well. Uh, my younger brother also, uh, had a hearing loss and, um, he got hearing aids as a pediatric patient. Um, and then, you know, I waited. So, you know, like so many other people, I waited about 10 to 15, well, it was about 15 years, um, until around three years ago. And um, finally, for through a number of different reasons, one of them being masks and the fact that people were wearing masks, I lost my ability to, to read lips, decided to finally get hearing aids. Um, my, my wife was someone who was encouraging me for a long time to do it. And, you know, she kind of played translator long enough. And then the, uh, the, the commonplace use of masks just pushed me over the edge. So at that point, um, I engaged the process, and I think the first thing I noticed was that the sort of the start of the whole thing, the the front part of the process of getting hearing aids or accessing hearing health, um, in my view, felt confusing. And that's even a few years ago, and I think it's become even more confusing now. Um, and you know, really, the experience sparked for me um, a desire to do something about that, help organize the the beginning, the the start, the first few hours of someone's experience. Um, and, you know, ultimately launched Soundly, which is at soundly.com, primarily a uh, website-based experience where, you know, every experience is really focused on, you know, the way I say it is the first five to 10 hours of someone's research experience, and then really handing those people off to professionals who are able to and care for that person, um, or, you know, now potentially products um, and and brands who are selling OTC or direct to consumer, uh, but helping folks figure out you know, where do you go from the moment you've first decided you're going to get hearing aids to the moment when you've now decided what you want to try. Yeah, no, I think um, your website and the, the whole take that you have is super interesting. I want to get into that as the conversation unfolds. Um, but going back to your, you know, kind of the start of the journey. So you said that you waited like 10, 15 years. When was the first time, you know, clearly it seems like you, um, you all had this realization that there was like a, um, you know, hereditary thing. Um, but did you have like instances when you were younger where you, you really noticed it? Um, and, and like, what was that period of your life like? Yeah. So my, um, so I think the first like really obvious uh, times where I noticed my hearing loss was actually when I got my first cell phone and I had a lot of, I had a very difficult time hearing, you know, at that time there weren't, um, you know, AirPods and things like that. So it was, I think it was like, a, I, had, I had a flip phone and then I had a Motorola Razor, which I think everybody had one of those. Sick. And I, yeah, it was <laughs> great. It was a very, very cool phone. Um, 
but I just, I would have to max out the volume to hear anyone on the phone. And, you know, that those were some of the first instances that I was like, oh yeah, okay. I definitely have a hearing loss. Um, of course, I'm not able to read lips in that environment. You know, it's uh, the phone, phone can be difficult and those speakers just weren't that high quality. So I started to notice it then. And then, you know, it became pretty obvious to me um, as I went through sort of the end of my high school years and into college and early into my career. And, you know, in my 20s, um, I spent most of, of my 20s in tech and advertising. And most, if not all of my close colleagues knew I had hearing loss. I would share that pretty openly with folks. Um, you know, I, I remember sitting uh, in an office environment uh, with like big monitors that sit in front of you kind of back to back. And I would tell my colleague who's sitting on the other side, like, if you say something, can you stand up? Cause I'm definitely not going to hear you uh, or know that you're talking to me unless I can see your face. And so, you know, people understood that, knew about it. And, you know, I, I knew at some point I was going to need to get hearing aids. I just didn't feel ready at that time. I didn't want to take it on. Didn't I, I think I felt in some ways, like it was sort of daunting the process itself, the, the price felt daunting. So I, I waited. And so you think that the uh, culprit behind waiting was a multi-factor thing, you know, like you just mentioned price and then like just the whole process and all that. Um, but did you like, obviously the pandemic and then the whole masking and everything was the catalyst that ultimately forced your hand, but were there times prior to that, that you felt like you were on the verge or was life prior to mass masking okay and manageable? Um, or were you starting to get to the point where I was like, all right, I, I need to take some serious action here. Yeah. I would say it went in and out depending on the settings that I was in. So, um, you know, and I think many people with hearing loss might be able to understand this or resonate with this, but when you're with folks who know you, um, oftentimes they're able to adjust and look at you or they understand like, Hey, I have to like maybe say something a couple of times or say the name of the person, you know, say Blake before you speak. So I can turn to you. Um, I, one of my clients, maybe three years before I ended up getting hearing aids, um, it was kind of a very practical thing, but they had a, uh, at the client's offices, they had a, a big round oval um, uh, conference table. And there would sort of be like several people sitting behind and beside me. And, you know, it was also for whatever reason, a very, they would all speak sort of in low tones. And I, I remember coming home from, from days at that client's site with my wife and be like, I'm, this is, I can't quite do this. Like I'm struggling. Um, and I didn't, I didn't take action at that point, but I was very frustrated. Um, and then, you know, there are lots of little things, uh, which I, I know so many people can resonate with, uh, you know, I often avoid neighbors on the street because you see somebody and if it's not a real conversation, they'll kind of say something on the way by and you miss it and you want to be polite. So you kind of chuckle or you say like, yeah. And then, you know, there was one instance where, you know, I, I said like, sounds good or something. And it was like someone's dog had passed away. And, you know, my wife's like, she's with me and she's like, you know what he said, right? Yeah, I do not actually. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the, those are these situations I think are very familiar to a lot of people. And, you know, but part of what held me back in addition to price and confusion is there's this moment. And, and I think this, we can talk more about this, but there's this 
thing within the hearing health space at, at present that feels all or nothing, where it's like the moment I cross over and I become a hearing aid wearer, now this is a part of my life for the rest of my life. And I'm obviously young. So I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe I'll just hang on a little while longer mm-hmm. before I become kind of in air quotes, a hearing aid wearer. Um, and I think there's a lot we might be able to do about using it more situationally. And I probably could have benefited without having to fully commit. Um, but you know, that also held me back. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting point. Um, so I, I want to come back to that, but just as kind of a side note, um, I, th- I think it's interesting because I just recorded, you know, kind of the first episode of this next wave, and uh, I did that with Dr. Kathleen Wallace, and one of the things we were talking about was, um, you know, just like masks in general in the pandemic, and what a um, sort of odd and unforeseen secondary effect, I think that Mm. probably people wouldn't have anticipated, but I think that there has been a massive realization like across our, our country and probably the world of people having like this realization of how dependent they were on lip reading folks that probably never would have thought they even have a hearing loss. Um, But I just, I find that to be really interesting. One of those secondary effects that you would never really be able to predict, but it does feel like that was a total catalyst for a lot of people, not just yourself that had this realization of like, I mean, clearly you already knew, but I think that it's the, the sheer dependence that I think a lot of people had, that's really throwing them off. And then coupled with the social isolation that a lot of people were going through, where I think it just became really apparent to people that this was a much bigger problem than they originally perceived it to be, which is sort of like the epitome of hearing loss in general, I feel like yes. it creeps, it creeps, it creeps. And then suddenly it's bad. And that yep. felt almost like this weird microcosm of the whole thing. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. And I think what another second order, you know, the, the, another effect of this whole thing is um, folks who maybe don't even have enough hearing loss or any hearing loss uh, that would you know warrant hearing aids have had the same experience of what it's like to have hearing loss. Because even if you have completely normal hearing and you are in a busy coffee shop and someone's trying to get your order, you know, people are missing things, um, even with great hearing. And so now I, I think often I'll talk to people, you know, um, part of this project has been bringing people that have, you know, been in creativity or, you know, cre- the creative space or technology or whatever, and trying to explain what this project is all about. And I'll often reference masks, be like, you know, that feeling when you were in a mask or in a, you know, you're wearing a mask and they're wearing a mask and you're in a coffee shop and you just can't get that order. That's what, that's what we're dealing with here. And it's, yep. you know, folks that have that kind of frustration day in, day out, moment to moment. And it's a, it's a, like a weird dichotomy too, because, you know, you as the person that is not able to hear and register are frustrated because you can't hear, but then like the other person that you're having the exchange with is frustrated because they're like, what's going on? Why can't you understand what I'm trying to say? And then it just became even more pronounced. And I think like the Starbucks order is the perfect example of like, what's your name? Um, And it's just like, you know, it, it just sums up, I think this whole idea of like, it's this mutual frustration. That's not the same kind of frustration, but it's all rooted in, I think like the fact that we just don't really as a country. And again, as like probably a global population, like really, I think, uh, understand and, and give credence to like how pervasive this is, you know, and just like yeah. you said, where it's not, it's not necessarily just 
I'm registering on a pure tone audiogram as having moderate hearing loss or something like that. We all know that like there could be just like little sweet spots in your, you know, if, if the analogy is that like your ear print or, you know, your ear has like its own fingerprint and it's got its very distinct way in which it processes noise and stuff like that, then of course, like there's going to be different frequencies and like very small subtleties um, where you just have like a small deficiency and those things can can rear their head in the most untimely situations. Yeah. And then, you, you know, so you compound that then with like this, like unwillingness to even acknowledge that this thing exists where it's considered rude to ask, you know, can you please repeat that question? Move yeah. along. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and so in a way I do kind of feel like the, one of the silver lines with the pandemic is I think it's kind of given people more empathy with this issue of like, we need I to agree. give each other all a little bit more, um, leeway here because like, this is something that like everybody can kind of relate to a lot more now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I had an interesting conversation with my wife recently, who's actually a co-founder in Soundlane is the very, she's involved and, um, has been incredibly helpful in getting the project to where it's at, but she, she and I were talking about hearing loss and she obviously experiences it through me. Um, and she was, she was talking about her eyesight, which she has normal sort of, um, you know, she needs glasses, wears contacts. She she was saying to me, she's like, you know, I actually think on the same scale, my eyesight might even be worse than your hearing because she can't, you know, drive without glasses and I can operate without hearing aids. But the sort of lack of treatment, this, the, con the lack of conversation, the lack of available treatment creates this total mismatch where my hearing loss affects my day-to-day -day life much more than her eyesight. And I know the treatments aren't the same, but I just, I found that conversation fascinating to be like, yeah, actually she has more severe eyesight loss than I do hearing loss, but we never talk about it because she's just kind of another person who wears glasses and, um, and contacts. Well, and, and so just to go off of that, cause this again was top of mind. Cause again, I was talking with Kathleen Wallace on this last episode and you know, one of the things we were talking about this conversation that she had had with uh, Dr. Barbara Weinstein and um, Dr. Barbara Weinstein, and and um, they were talking about this whole notion of, you know, it's something that I know Nick Reed over at Johns Hopkins is working on, um, where everybody has like a really um, a strong understanding of what 2020 eyesight means. And so there's like a, uh, there's like a lexicon that I think like is universally mm -hmm. adopted where people kind of understand, like I have this type of eyesight and people know what that means, but in hearing loss, it's so subjective. It's like, I have a, you know, even if you have um, gone through the process of seeing a provider and you've gotten an audiogram and you know where you register on a pure tone audiogram, like I have moderate hearing loss, like there's so much variability to that. Like it might just mean that you have, um, you know, you struggle with high frequencies or something like that. And yeah. so I think that there is like, I, I think there's a real opportunity for something more like what we have with vision and the universally universality of the way in which we define our eyes and our eyesight um, with our ears, because I think that would go a long way too. And, and just having people be able to share almost like a common language of what this stuff even means. Cause I think that a lot of people like have this misnomer of what hearing loss is, which is just like the, it's a, a volume knob, like it's turned down or it's yep. turned up. And like, there's just so much more to it than that. 
And so I think that's part of the issue too, is that we haven't done a good job, like from a public health standpoint, um, in like public health education of like, cause it's not just like the, the patient, it's the medical professional too. And so there's a lot of challenge there of like, you know, um, audiology and like hearing healthcare in general does kind of operate in a bubble in the sense of it's kind of like, um, you're using, uh, like a dictionary that's specific to just your bubble. And it's not something that's more widely communicated to the broader public, I think. Yeah. I'd say, I know you have so many, uh, talented professionals who listen to this, this podcast. And I'd say if anybody has an idea on how to represent, you know, I, I was asking a, an audiologist the other day, I'm like, can we somehow get to percentage? I know no one wants to talk percentage, but as a consumer, it would be so useful because it's exactly what you're saying. It's like when, when I tell someone I have hearing loss or that I wear hearing aids, the first thing they wonder is like, well, how much, or like, how can you help me understand what's going on for you? And I so badly want to be to tell them, you know, it's about 25%, which is kind of like the, like I, in fact, I do say that sometimes because I, I kind of have like done the conversion for myself. Um, but folks really want that, you know, ability to communicate their, what they, the experience that they're having. Yeah. I think, I, I just think there's like a lot of small things like that, that in aggregate could add yeah. up in a big way. Um, so I want to get into soundly, but I think the best place to start would be your career. Cause it's really interesting. Um, you know, I know that you're, you've lived and have lived in LA for a while. And it, I know you've been doing a lot of like interesting work in the creative world. So do you want to talk a little bit about life before you launched this thing, you know, from a career yeah. standpoint, and then how, like maybe some of that has shaped the way that you've approached the, um, the launch and then the formation of, of Soundly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, I started, uh, I started my career in Kansas city. Um, and most of my career, as I mentioned, is in advertising and, and tech, um, primarily in the kind of creative communication side of all of that. So worked with clients like YouTube and, um, Nike and American Express and Disney and spent a long time working with Chipotle, which was amazing. Um, I love Chipotle's food. So it was, it was a great brand to be a part of. And primarily the work that I was doing was around, you know, communication, advertising, launching projects to help, um, you know, build those brands. So for example, I was a, a part of launching Chipotle's um, rewards program, which now has, I think, 25 or 30 million members. And um, a number of kind of projects that that blended technology and creativity. And when I came into, as a consumer, came into the hearing health world via Google search, basically just saying like, okay, how do I get a hearing aid? Um, it immediate my wheels started to turn in the areas that I've spent time, which is technology and creativity. It's like, how can I help to solve this gap that feels like it's so prevailing for me um, with, with those two things. And really that's what soundly, uh, is all about is, you know, started with, um, you know, taking, I think we took 25 or 30 different hearing aids and hearing products into the studio. We shot all original photography and videography created, um, you know, what I think is a really fresh and beautiful brand for this, for the space. And kind of, you know, to me, I think about that as creating the, the, the wrapper, the environment, um, you know, if it was a retail store, it would be, you know, what's the art on the walls and what's the, how are the, sh- how are the shelves, you know, designed. Yeah. Um, and th- that's kind of how I, I think about the design and the aesthetic of the, the soundly experience. 
you know, and really designed it to match what I would have hoped to find, you know, so what, what do I, how do I want this to feel when I come in? I want it to feel modern and colorful. I don't want it to feel, um, you know, so serious because it, it's, it is serious in there are serious treatments and it can be, it can have serious impacts on our life, but, you know, very few things in our lives do we want to spend a ton of money on um, without kind of feeling good about them. So how, how can we create an environment that makes people feel good? So really that's the kind of creativity side. And then on the technology side, um, you know, it's a number of different things. Uh, you know, one is built a hearing test, uh, custom hearing test, which, you know, I think is this one of the simplest and, and easiest tests that someone can take. Obviously, there are disclaimers on the site that say, you know, this isn't a replacement for a booth test. Um, but I know my own experience was I went and I took uh, uh, an online test because I wanted to understand like what, what's going on with me. Do I have, um, I had never taken a test as a kid actually. And I wanted to understand, do I have a, a similar shape audiogram to my mom and brother or is it different? Um, and, you know, one of the things that I quickly realized in the online hearing test space is that most of them, not all of them, but most of them will give you a pass fail or like uh, your hearing um, doesn't seem to be doing well. You should go see someone, which makes sense. You should go see someone. But I found that very frustrating because I wanted the visibility. I wanted to be able to understand like, what are you seeing? Uh, yeah, computer program that's telling me I have hearing loss. What do you see? Can I see that? Um, and so that's the way we designed the soundly hearing test where it gives you an audiogram shape result. Again, no, no claims that this is a replacement of anything. No one's programming a hearing aid off the results, but it gives you a sense of, you know, do I have a sloping hearing loss? In my case, I have a cookie bite. So I, I can see my cookie bite emerge. Um, so, you know, that's an example, I think of the, the technology piece kind of coming in and there are other examples as well. And, you know, we've, the way that the sort of, um, product comparison section of the site is built, um, you know, has a lot of really interesting technology behind it. You can sort by all kinds of features. You can look for just Bluetooth hearing aids, or you can search by price. You can search by um, style. Um, and then we also built, uh, you know, it's, it's actually one of the most popular pages on the site, but we built a database of audiologists from around the country using data from, Yelp and Google and other review sites and kind of aggregated it all into one place. And people love that because they can see all of those reviews. They can see the location and the hours and, you know, kind of using technology to make sure those things fit seamlessly. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally think that uh, like one of the first impressions I had when I checked out, you know, your site for the first time was I, I really was impressed by the aesthetics of it and how um, clean it is. You know, it just, it's a really good looking website and, you know, as I got to know you a little bit, like, it's clear that there were these sort of, like you said, you know, some of those like experiences that you had in your past work clearly have bled into this, um, but it's really cool to see. And the other thing that I think is neat about what you're doing is, you know, like, I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, like the direct to consumer OTC channel, and that's going to take a lot of different shapes. But I think that what is really interesting from my perspective as somebody that is in the world of operating directly with the professional is I see this as being um, a, a, an interesting way to sort of loop them into the fold. 
Um, because I think that like you, you said to me, um, you know, with one of our prior discussions is your goal here is to effectively become kind of like the home page of, you know, the, like the starting point for going through the process. And so I guess, let me ask you, like, based upon your own personal experience with having and gone and getting fit with hearing aids through a professional, like, how are you looking at, at what you're building as like different, but also complementary to that process? What parts of it, I guess, did you appreciate that you want to amplify? And then what things do you think you can improve upon? Yeah. Um, So I think to answer that question, I think that the, the real answer is there's this sort of my experience was there's this dead space before I ever saw a professional. Um, and that's the space that soundling operates. You know, it's the space from, I remember it was a Saturday. I was like, okay, I've got some time. I'm, this was before my daughter was born. So I had more time than I have now, but, uh, I like, I have some, <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know you can. Um, I was like, I have some time. I mean, I'm going to look at my options. I'm going to figure this out. And, you know, at that point, I didn't have a, a a doctor to talk to. I didn't really have anyone to talk to. It's just like going to figure out what what my options were. And to me, it's that 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 gap that Soundly's really trying to fill. I think of it for me, the experience was about ten or twelve hours uh, before I ever reached out to anyone or did anything. Um, I think now that Soundly exists, someone could do it in a little bit less than that. Uh, I think, you know, folks might only need a few hours uh, because you've got more tools and more access in one place. Um, but that's the space I'm thinking about. And then, you know, once someone has gotten their bearings, and let's say there's someone who, um, you know, they they want to address this, let's say they have some level of financial stability, they want to invest, and they want to get a product that that is the best possible product for them. They're almost certainly going to end up in a prescription um, product at this time. And so now that they've had a chance to sort through and you know maybe they understand which brands and which styles they're interested in, now we want to put them in touch with a professional. And that's, you know, that's where Soundly's job in, in many ways is done. And we're, we're kind of handing the, the patient um, or the, the consumer over to kind of the next step. And, you know, we'll continue to kind of focus on folks who, who kind of continue to fill in. I think one difference there is we are seeing some folks who come in who are experienced hearing aid wearers and are interested in the next model. Um, so my mom is a Widex wearer, has worn Widex for 20, now 20 plus years. And I'm sure listeners will know, you know, obviously Widex has that kind of diehard base. She's absolutely a part of that. Um she every few years would probably come onto the site to look at okay what's the latest today it's moment sheer but you know in two or three years it will be something else maybe probably um and so understanding the differences or you know some of the nuances like okay the the most invisible part product here doesn't have telehealth options um so i'm going to go one step up you know educating a little bit on the details there um which is something her audiologist could also help her with but i think many people now want to have some of that information themselves um and and you know that's where folks would use soundly if they are more experienced hearing aid wearer and we see both instances yeah i mean i i think that the um you know one of the biggest concerns i think that uh 
you know, the, the hearing industry in general has is uh, with regard to OTC and stuff is like, um, will the market become so saturated with crap that it will sort of um, downvote the good stuff? You know, will the cream actually rise to the top? Um, and I think that one of the ways that it will is that there, I think we have to be very cognizant of how educated the co the consumer is today, just like broadly speaking. I mean, I think that this is very much in line with the way in which people research things, not to mention that we know that like, if this is going to be, if you're going to go the route where you want to get prescription hearing aids, that's a large out-of-pocket cost and, you know, even with a benefit. So I think that we're fooling ourselves not to think that there isn't this kind of demand, but I don't think that that negates the, the role of the professional or anything like that. Mm. Like, furthermore, our, our, you know, on the contrary, I think that it means that they're more likely to do their research, do their diligence, come to you prepared with knowing like an expectation of like, this is exactly what I want so that, you know, it's, it's less of a quote unquote sale and more of like, let's just make sure that you're fit with this thing to the best of your ability. And yes. then you can be that consultative role. So in a way, I do kind of think that this fits in, you know, in, in the sense of like, if it's largely a, a patient education lead generation tool for the provider, um, there is an unmet need, I think, in the market right now, because I, I just think that they're being bombarded with so many different things. And I think like, whether it's TV commercials for all of these different devices, some good, maybe some not so good. And then, you know, they're going to see it in all these different like retail point of sale locations now from their pharmacy to their, you know, whatever brick and mortar retailer that they're going to walk into where they'll see like, they're just going to be inundated with more and more options. So I think that it, it, it sort of like lends itself nicely to something that has the interest, like a, um, a objective unbiased, resource for them to be able to filter through and, and get to the like truth of what they actually at least should be talking about with their professional. And yes. I think there's going to, it will almost like broker even more trust than maybe previously. I, I completely agree. And I think one thing that's interesting is, um, you know, in, in my mind, and, and I've tried uh, at this point, I think I've tried now 50 plus pairs of, of different hearing aids. So everything from hundred $199, um, you know, PSAPs all the way up to, you know, the, the, the hearing aid I wear every day is the Resound Omnia, which I love. Um, and so, I, you know, I've tried the full spectrum. And to me, I think one thing that's really interesting, and I hope to see an evolution in the hearing health space in this in this regard is there's certainly a, a group of products that i get concerned about and I, I am i don't like and those are the ones that try to look like and make claims like they are able to do things that they're not able to do right so like when people use um uh, i'll see brands use and many of them are the the less respected ones but use like bluetooth enabled as a feature of a cheap hearing aid and anyone who knows what they're looking at knows that that means they use bluetooth to program or they use bluetooth to change the volume but they're not bluetooth streaming enabled but to me that's misleading because mm -hmm. if, if, that's a very difficult thing to parse out uh similarly people talk about noise reduction or talk about background noise and 
to me, it's about getting to the truth and like the bottom of it, because I don't look at a product like, um, you know, Lexi's B1 or B2. I don't look at that and think that's a bad product. I think that's a $700 or an $800 product. And so for some folks, if they have $700 or $800, or they just want to start with $700 or $800, they should do it. It's a good product. It's not as advanced for sure. There's a reason I wear without Omnia and not, you know, the Bose hearing aid every day, but I also think it's a pretty good product. Um, and so I think there's this sort of binary between like, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. There are yeah. some that I think are false advertising basically. And that really, I'm not, I don't like that. And I try to point a finger at that whenever we can in terms of our content, but then the rest of it is as an educated consumer, you get to decide, like, do you want to spend seven or $800? And people are smart. They understand that that's not the same as four or $5,000, I think. Um, and, I, and I think people are increasingly doing their research to understand the differences. The other thing is that I think return policies are a huge factor in all of this. Yes, Folks are going to get a chance to try if they're buying something with a return policy, which we always recommend they do. If they're getting a chance to try something for 45 days or 60 days and it doesn't work for them, my experience is they're not going to just call it. I think at that point, they're going to figure out what does and probably mm -hmm. try other things. And maybe that ends up being you know, a, a visit to a local uh, professional or trying something, uh, trying something different. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, without trying to just completely like beat this, beat this point, um, you know, it's like, I really do think that there is, there is an opportunity to, um, even if it's like, just like, you're not even selling the OTC per se as a provider, but you're making them aware, like, look, like just start here maybe you're selling it. Like, I'm sure there's a revenue opportunity there, but I just think that like having, like you said, you got to start somewhere. I, you know, I wrote this article, um, for audiology online, um, shortly before I took the break before the twins. And, um, you know, the, the like main thrust of, of like my point with OTC and all that stuff was that, you know, maybe like we've kind of gone round and round with like, how do you actually get people to increase or how, how do you increase the overall adoption of getting people to like treat their hearing loss? And there's a myriad of different reasons why I think we've kind of been plagued in like the 20 ish percentage of people that probably should be wearing something, but, but aren't. And to me, I think that one of the, one of the like really key metrics that I think OTC could be a big positive for is with just getting people to try it out and see for themselves, seeing is yes. believing. And I think that like, that's why I'm so excited about AirPods and all of these yep. like consumer um, earbuds that by no means do I suggest that these are going to be replacements for hearing aids or anything like that. But what mm, I think no. they're ultimately going to do is they're going to be the catalyst in the same way that masks were a big catalyst for people to realize like, I have a bigger problem than I originally realized. I think that giving people, you know, having like the realization that, oh, my AirPods Pro have has like this conversational boost. You turn it on and you start using it for a little bit and you're like, I, it's like the it's like the polar opposite of the masking thing where it's like giving people a taste of yes. what this sounds like could be so positive where they start to get the wheels going in their own head because ultimately, and this is the main point is like, we simply cannot, 
you can bring a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. And I think that's like, that sums it up perfectly is like, we can try what in hearing healthcare land, we can use all the data till we're blue in the face and, and, and cite every single argument as to why you need to treat your hearing loss. But until people come to it on their own terms, just like you had to, they're never going to take yes. action. And I think that like having these more, like you said, it's like going from a model that was binary to then one of which where you now have intermediary stepping stones along the way. I think the big net positive of that is like just giving people the opportunity to come to this realization on their own. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think one thing I um, actually have a, ha- a half drafted article on this that I, I'm going to publish at some point. But one thing I've said often uh, is, you know, your hearing aids work for you, not the other way around. And I think it's important for folks to not feel like the moment that they say yes to a hearing aid that now that they have to like have to wear it all the time. It has to be their new lifestyle. It's this it's a really big thing to ask. You know, if you're asking someone to essentially commit to wearing something that really changes, like I'll say as a hearing aid where it changes your experience, it changes the way things feel, the way things sound, it helps, but also it's uncomfortable sometimes. And, and it doesn't always, it's not always positive. And to, to feel like you have to bite that off as one one day you're not, and then the next day you are, I think that that's an under-discussed um, reason that folks stay on the fence. And what excites me about a product like uh, certainly AirPods to a degree, but I think I even think some of the, the affordable products like uh, like the Bose hearing aids, which I'm a fan of, is that you can wear that hearing aid and you can get benefit from it. Um, but you can also wear it and, and put it in your in your backpack. Like I have my AirPods in my backpack, pull it out, wear it, put it back in. And I understand that the brain needs to adjust. And there are time periods where you have to, you know, you have to kind of commit to wearing something in order for your brain to become uh, used to it. I get that. But I think there's a sometimes an overemphasis on the all or nothing component of this. Um, and, you know, every other piece of technology in my life, including my, you know, laptop and the macro, my, the microphone I'm speaking into and my phone, I grab them and I use them when I want them and I set them aside when I don't want them. And I, I don't think hearing aids are any different than that. And and I don't treat them any different than that, which means I don't always wear my hearing aids. And I'm very clear with people about the fact that this is, this is a device I will pull out when I want to, and I'm going to put it away when I want to. And there's, I'm not, I get to be in charge of that decision. And I think more people would take this on if they felt that mentality about it. It's a tool. Yeah, that's, I think an absolutely brilliant point um, because I agree with you that, you know, you have to like think through the mind of the person that is sitting on the fence. And it's like, we all know what this feels like when you have a lot of trepidation around something that feels like it's a seismic shift in your life. And, you know, even if we're just talking about hearing aids, like you're so right where what you're really saying is you have to adopt an entirely new lifestyle. You have to make sure that you maintain and retain, don't lose this extremely expensive piece of equipment. Um, you know, and I, again, I just think that those are the kinds of subtleties that are probably having a much broader impact than we realize that Absolutely. don't really show up on a survey. They don't show up on a, 
questionnaire where you're like, is it price? Is it? And it's like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of all this, but it's, it's more than that. It's like, I don't really feel like I'm at the point where I'm ready to make what feels like not only a big financial investment, but also like a lifestyle investment. Yeah. And I think where price does factor into that is, you know, most people are not in an, uh, either they have a relationship with their own finances where they feel accountable to make good decisions or they're in a shared financial situation with a family or a partner. And if you spend four, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, you are going to feel like you really need to get something out of that. Um, there are very few things we spend that much money on in our lives. And, you know, once you become a, uh, a through and through hearing aid wearer, like my mom or like I am, or like people who now understand what this does for them. The money is not a big deal. It's like, yes, people can get the money or they can make, you know, many people can afford it. Some people can't, but many people can. But it's the emotional connection of if I just spent five grand on this and I told my family I'm going to and I told myself I'm going to, now I really need to use it. And that means I really need to like adopt this whole new lifestyle that you you just mentioned. And, and those are big leaps. And that's where I think OTC yeah. or these hybrid products like the Jobber Enhanced Plus or other things they start to break that down and chip away at it. And it's like, okay, this was a few hundred bucks. I can have that as a tool, pull it out, put it away, pull it out, put it away. In a few years, maybe I'm going to get a premium product that, you know, I'll go see see a professional for. And you just have the experience of knowing like, okay, this is what um, the amplification sounds like, you know, and you just start to like condition yourself. I think you're right where, you know, you're not, uh, I just think there's a lot of truth to this, this binary notion where it's, it is, it's like, it's, if you really kind of start to unpack it, it's more than just like the cost it's about, you know, kind of like, am I going to like actually live up to the, almost the expectation that this thing inherently is setting, um, yes. so that I feel as if I'm, it's like buyer's remorse, but it's even more, it's more than that. It's yes. like, not just like, did I not make a good financial investment? It's like, why am I not having a good experience with these things? Why, what am I doing wrong? And then, and again, I think like, again, going back to kind of some of the concerns, I think that the industry has with OTC, not saying I support these concerns or anything, but I think there is some merit to the idea of like, the worst outcome would be that you have a bunch of people that get the wrong impression of, of what, like these things could and should be for them. And so I think that the positive of, of OTC is I, I do think that it does sort of lessen the, like the risk of, of that, because there's like less of this, I don't know, remorse, I guess is probably the way I'm thinking about it. Well, let me, I mean, just to share on that point, cause I know folks that is a concern people have is, okay, somebody's going to try a $500 product. They're going to think that's what hearing aids are. And then they're going to never want to do here, you know, get a hearing aid again. And I think personally, I don't think that gives people enough credit. I think most people that I've talked to and, you know, talked to lots of people who come to the site, we get a lot of, you know, chats and emails and things like that. People understand that if you're spending 500 and not 5,000, there's going to be a difference. People understand when they purchase a car, if you buy like the absolute base model of the most basic car, you're not going to feel that good when you're driving around versus if you buy you know, uh, import and you get the leather and you get everything else. I, people are smart about that. And the other thing is to the point we're making about this kind of being on the fence and kind of tipping over my own experience was I actually started with an online product 
because I didn't know where to get going. And so I bought something, walked out of my house. It's kind of funny. I put them on, I walked out of my house and I live in LA and I literally ducked because a helicopter flew over. And I thought this helicopter was on top of me. I mean, I just (laughs) thought this thing was like going to run right into our house. And of course it it was regular, you know, in in the air. Um, I ultimately returned that product because it didn't, it didn't match my, you know, the audiologist listening will understand that as a cookie bite hearing aid where I have a kind of, uh, even more special setup than I need in order to, for a product to really work, really work for me, but I returned it. And then I went to an audiologist, but I never in that process was like, forget it. I'm out. Um, that was just another step towards not a step like I'm going to get out of this at all. I think the biggest thing was putting something in my ears at all. Um, and, you know, even with the, the, the online product that I purchased, I was able to hear my wife better. I was hearing things. I'm like, okay, this is, I get it. Like, this is going to work for me. I just, this isn't the product. So going off of, um, you know, with, with what's going on with Soundly now, um, just talk to us a little bit about, what's currently on there, kind of the flow of the site. You had already mentioned some of this, but I just figured we we can kind of yeah. conclude this conversation with just focusing on Soundly and, and what it is that you've built so far and where you're kind of taking this thing as much as you want to share on the podcast today. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a consumer, um, you know, let's just say you're someone who's just getting started um, and you were to come to the site you know, we give you a couple different, there are really three different tracks you can take. Most people um, are interested in products. So they will start out with our kind of shop portal. And, um, you know, shop is an interesting word because we actually don't sell any hearing aids directly right now on Soundlate. We're um, exclusively sending, you know, we're really occupying that start space. Um, so we're connecting folks to professionals or connecting folks to brands. Um, But if you kind of click on the shop tab, um, what you're going to see is pretty much every top hearing aid that's on the prescription side and most of the top direct-to-consumer like Lively, Autokiss, you'll see the top, I would say the the most, the the products that we actually believe in on the OTC side um, and the ones that have been tested and feel like they have good customer service and they're, they're strong options. Uh, so products like the the Lexi product or the Lexi and Bose, the B1 and B2, um, you'll see the Jobber product in there. Um, so other OTCs. And as a consumer, you can just start to click kind of like if you're on Kayak or another you know, a travel site, you start to click things by price, by feature. Okay, I want Bluetooth. I want it in the ear. I want it behind the ear. You can compare products side by side. So you can add three or four products to a tray, hit compare. It'll show you all the feature sets next to each other. Um, and then if you're interested in a specific product, you kind of click into that product, you'll see a lot more detail, written words, images, some video, uh, perspective of audiologists. So we have audiologist quotes about each product and how it works and whether it's a good product or not. Um, and then if you're interested in that product and you just decide to click, uh, find care, um, you know, that's where we'll connect you with a, a local professional who then can, can get that, um, product prescribed to your needs. And, you know, usually that, that uh, is happening at a local office. It's kind of looks a lot like a traditional, you know, somebody looks you up in the phone book and calls you. It's just happening through this, um, this portal instead. So that's the shop experience. I talked a little bit about the hearing test. That's another experience people love and spend a lot of time on. Um, 
we interestingly have folks who, you know, will come back regularly and test their hearing. I, I think most of them are finding very similar results, but I find that behavior really fascinating. People are trying to check to make sure their hearing's not changing. Um, one important note on the hearing test is that we worked with audiologists to add in red flag questions for all of the kind of really important things that would should send someone directly to uh, an ENT or an audiologist. Um, if anyone says yes to a red flag, we stop the process and we give them access to our audiologist portal where they can put in their zip code and find someone locally immediately. Um, and then that kind of leads us to the, the third experience, which is the portal. Um, we have just over 5,000 um, practices in there right now. Um, and you can search your zip code or search your city and find you know all of the ones that are there locally. I'm sure most of the, the um, listeners here, if you have a practice, you probably find it on there. And you'll see, if you go to your page, you'll see that um, there's you know reviews that have been aggregated from other sites like Google and Yelp. Um, and so, you know, it's the information that's been brought in from those locations. Um, and then, you know, we keep things like hours and phone numbers up to date using the Google API. So it's all kind of really tight with whatever the, the information is that's that's already out there publicly. And people also love that experience. So those are the main ones that people are using right now. Um, we've got a, several really exciting things, you know, I think coming up, it, it, talking more about multimedia for next year, um, how to move into even more video. We did a partnership with, um, with, tuned and um kathleen who i know you just interviewed and um danny aronson and and his whole team um and so we started to introduce even more video content into the site so certain products some of the most popular products you can click on you know a, a video that will then just tell you exactly what that product's all about um kathleen stars in a few of those videos you might see her <laughs> on the site um yeah, so those are those are some of the main things, and then I think the the big thing, and I know everybody's circling this right now, is you know trying to figure out how to give folks a chance to listen to these products before they get them in their hands. Um, and so that's I think one of our big priorities for next year is is getting a live listen feature onto the site, um, where you know if you're a consumer and you want to hear what a uh, the Bose hearing aid, which I've mentioned a few times, versus the Resound Omnia sounds like in background noise. Here's, here's a sound file that will give you a sense for how those products um, perform, which by the way, a shout out to the Resound and uh, the Resound team and the GN team. I wore my Omnias to, I was, I was telling you, I went to a football game on Sunday night at SoFi Stadium. And because I'm a nerd, I had my um, my DB app out checking the the decibels, you know, oh, see how loud the stadium imagine. got. Yeah, I think it broke like 115 at some point, but I was wearing my hearing aids the whole time. And I, I know that there's a lot of talk about Resound uh, putting more background noise management in that new product, but it was so impressive. Right. I was able to have hold a conversation with, I was with four guys, so that's a kind of long row. And I was holding conversation, hearing things that they weren't hearing, which was kind of amazing. I was like, I've got better hearing than you right now, which is, which is uh, an interesting feeling. <laughs> yeah, but that is. That's I digress. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I first of all, I just I, I, I love the whole flow of your website. I think it's super neat. Um, and those sound like really exciting things to look forward to. I mean, the live listen aspect would be huge. I know um, that is something that people are dabbling with. Uh, and so I think that is a really interesting evolution of how this thing could unfold. Um, 
And, you know, I just think that um, this, this idea of like meeting the customer where they are early and helping them to just guide them through options and having the professional be front and center with this process of like, you don't have to necessarily go that direction if you want, but it is available and it's built out, you know, and I think that's really important too. So I guess my, my kind of like to wrap here, I'd be curious, like, what have you heard from the the chat or the emails that you're getting? Like, what's surprising you from the customers um, or, you know, your web visitors? Like, what what is um, some things that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have anticipated that's catching you by surprise or anything of that nature? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is um, there, well, I guess the first, first thing is there's been a really amazing reception from folks kind of broadly about this topic. And we've done some interesting partnerships that have branched out a little bit out of beyond the the typical kind of hearing aid wearer or hearing aid searcher. And, you know, we, we did a, a partnership with a newsletter and a lot of younger people kind of coming in looking for their parents or their uh, loved ones. And I think it's just in general, there is a lot of interest around hearing health more than people anticipate. And then anytime it comes up, you know, in a room, it's something I've noticed. Anytime it comes, you know, anytime it comes up in a room, three or four people will kind of be like, "Yeah, my dad or me or this person I'm close with," or "I just spent time researching that for somebody." And it's we don't talk about it a lot in the world. Um, you kind of in the hearing health space, we obviously do, but uh, I find it interesting how many people are already thinking about this. One thing I've definitely noticed as you user behavior is that folks will compare products that have nothing to do with each other. And I think they'll email us or chat us and they'll say, Hey, I'm interested in the Phonak Lumity and, um, you know, the, the Bose, the, the Bose product by Lexi. And you can just tell, or even other things like they'll put different form factors, like, okay, I'm interested in Ergo and I'm also interested in, you know, Phonak Lumity Rick. And you you quickly realize how much people are just grasping. Like they, they're not walking in with a clear understanding. And they think that's probably should be reassuring to the professionals because folks need support. They really do. They need to un- they need help. No matter what we do in the first, let's say, five to 10 hours of someone's experience, we're helping someone get going. They're like yeah. the, the wheels are starting to turn, but this is a long run. You know, I still text with my audiologist when I need updates. It, you, you know, Stanley's not doing that. So those are professional layers that really need to be there. And I don't see the professional, um, you know, I'm coming at this from a totally fresh perspective. And I, I will say from both a user experience and also someone who's now in the industry, I don't see the professional layer becoming less important. I think if anything, it becomes more important. Yeah. It's just a question of where does it sit and how does it help folks? And, you know, I think that's what's being kind of talked about a lot right now, but it's incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, just to go off that point, I think that people need, um, I think they need guidance of their options, but obviously I think people, there is going to be a cohort of people that maybe we've never really served in this industry before that will be a do-it-yourself cohort. Like undoubtedly that's going to be a decent amount of people that just choose to go that route. Maybe down the line, they'll want to enter into the the professional funnel, if you will. But I think that there's like equally as big or if not significantly bigger portion of people that 
They just want to know that they're making the, they're doing their due diligence. They're making, you know, the right choices. And then they want to hand it off to a professional because they know there's value in having somebody that is your, just like you said, like you, you have a personal relationship with your audiologist. I mean, I think that this is a really one of those things where I personally think that there's going to be a broader appreciation for the hearing healthcare professional, particularly as they decouple from the sale of the device and and like focus exclusively on that and be more around the support and the, the, you know, the consultativeness that I think is so vital to this whole thing, because as you can attest, it's like, you know, if, if your, your technology starts to go a little bit wonky, like there's that, but there's also just like the personal relationship element of this, of like, you know, just trying to kind of like sort through some of the different challenges that you're and having a sounding board. Like that's, I think just really, really important in why there's, I think a ton of value right there that hasn't ever been, I think fully unlocked by the, by the masses, really. It's only been unlocked by the people that have come into this like prescription hearing aid funnel. And what's interesting is like when this now is opening up to the, I think the broader public, I think it is giving an opportunity for a different kind of element for the professional that like is more mass marketable, I guess. Yes. I I totally agree. I think about, I think a lot about the Apple genius bar mm-hmm. and, you know, best Buy geek squad. Those things have those features of those companies, you know, those are two companies that are extremely direct to consumer. I mean, Apple's a complete direct to consumer business, but you look at it, they still had to add the professional layer, which is genius bar. And most of the customers of genius bar are folks who are over 50 and love genius bar. You know, there's a huge, like it's one of the most popular features that Apple has. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of shaking out to figure out how all this works, but people are going to need support. And, and I know I need support and I know a lot about this stuff. And so that's why I know for sure folks are going to need help. Yeah, absolutely, Blake. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Hearsoundly.com. Um, what else uh, should people connect with you on if they want to link up and, and get more information? Where should they contact you? Yeah. So the website's actually soundly.com. You can go to hearsoundly.com as well, which that is my was your personal blog. One, right. Yeah. My, yeah. And I, and it's still uh, my personal blog. So if you want to read my writing um, and maybe by the time you, you publish this, I will write my piece about my hearing aids <laughs> working for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, hearsoundly.com is the blog. Um, soundly.com is the experience that we talked about. Um, you know, folks can reach out to me on email or LinkedIn. I'm, I'm Blake at soundly.com. And, you know, if there are people, you know, I'm, in the uh, you know audiologists and hearing aid professionals that are interested in in um, collaborating or helping to create content, you know I'm definitely very open to uh, connecting. I think that's one, been one of the most interesting and fulfilling parts of this project is meeting so many wonderful people. So, you know, if you're hearing this and you want to say hi, shoot me an email. Uh, but that's that's a good way to get in touch. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end, and we'll chat with you next time. Cheers. 